Uncle Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Rock Countout. It's the show where we count things down. What is today, Larson? When is this going up? It's going uh, up that Monday, right? Yeah. No, Tuesday. This is July 16th. Okay. The day we would usually do raw reviews, but since you're somewhere in the United Kingdom. I'm gone. I'm not here. The third week of your vacation. I'm a hologram. Word is going, looking back past six or so months and talking about some of the most important, impactful, or darn it, just entertaining moments of Raw. I'm living it up. Shockingly enough, we could find 10 of them. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm living it up in London right now. Uh, Or I'm dead. Maybe my aircraft went down. Let's not. This is scheduled to go live, so if I'm dead, this is still going to go up. You're on your couch right now, I'm assuming. I might be at the gym. Doing a whole lot of nothing. Depending. I might. All day gym sessions. That's what you should do. Take advantage of it. That'd be ideal. Five hours at the gym. Come back. You're gone three weeks to come back. And I I look like Finn Balor. Jacked. Washboard abs. In your words, not going to happen. Anyways, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, we're not reviewing Raw today. It probably sucks. And uh, instead, we're going to take a look at Raws that didn't quite suck. Uh, We've got ten moments that we could think of uh, that were actually... Not terrible, or they were just significant. Yes. Either made us chuckle or changed the landscape of wrestling for good or bad. Speaking of which, here we go. We're going to get right into it. Yes. Number 10. 10. The wild card rule announced. Uh, this definitely changed things. Not necessarily for the better. Not def- Oh, definitely not for yeah, the better. Yeah, no, this happened on the May 6th edition of Raw. This is less than a month after Superstar Shakeup. And so Vince comes out uh, to open the show. Because uh, you got people from Raw, people from SmackDown showing up, and it's like this can't happen. Wait, I have an idea. Wild card rule: uh, a limited number of people at first three could cross brands on any given episode, and then he proceeds to proclaim mid-episode. himself a genius. Sorry, yeah, and then mid-episode, yes, Lars Sullivan seemingly intimidates uh, Vince into making it four. Since then. Busted wide open. Apparently, off camera, many other people have intimidated Vince McMahon into making it just because an episode of SmackDown there was twelve whoever. members of the Raw roster who showed up. Yeah, they did. Back the, yeah, yeah, for the twenty four seven lumberjack match. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, the wild card rule has really uh, hampered the creative development on each brand. You get the same four or five, maybe six stories going on in each show. Not a whole lot of time for anybody else not involved in wild card rule storylines to get really any significant TV time. It's like the 24-7 title is 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 a TV time for anybody that's not involved in the feud with Roman Reigns, essentially, not or Shane McMahon. Not necessarily surprising that Vince McMahon and the WWE would try to uh, sign up the largest roster in the history of professional wrestling and institute a rule that limits the number of people that can be on TV to a very small amount, comparatively speaking. Yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, I'll be honest, in my opinion, bit of a disaster. I do not see uh, how this is making anything better. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so far, and granted, we are filming this about a month, a little bit more than a month uh, prior to when it airs, but lately, Ratings haven't been good. No, they've uh, not gone up significantly. No. They've not improved. Um, by all accounts, this was a, a move made to satisfy the wants, needs, desires of their uh, current and future broadcast partners, that being USA Network and Fox. Um, but this is a situation they shouldn't have really found themselves in to begin with. Um, this should have been discussed before the Superstar Shakeup. This should have been worked out before Superstar Shakeup. Um, I mean, I understand the rationale of USA and Fox wanting the top stars and WB on their shows beyond their networks, because that would uh, in theory mean more eyeballs 
on those shows and therefore higher ad rates for commercial breaks. I get all that. However, there needs to be a meeting between WB and the individual broadcast partners uh, and WB needs to tell the broadcast partners, sell their broadcast partners on why this roster will work for your show and equitably uh, distribute the top tier guys between those shows, which I actually felt they kind of did. You had Seth on Raw and Brock part-time. You have Roman on SmackDown. I mean, it's it's from from an objective standpoint, as a full time observer of the product, it's fairly it's fairly fair. The 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 the, the bigger issue as with all this stuff is simply that it's just the creative. It's none of this would be an issue if the creative was there making new stars, mm-hmm. making big stars. Mm-hmm. Seth could easily be on par with Roman. Any number oh, yeah. of these, but Finn Balor could be on par with oh, any yeah. of these guys. Kevin Owens could be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the creative has dropped the ball. Vince has dropped the ball. And so we're left in this situation where they kind of feel like Roman is the, is, is the, the answer to all this stuff. And it, it, he obviously isn't. No. He obviously isn't. SmackDown's ratings were are commensurate now after the wild card rule. Same place they've always been within about 80 to 85, maybe 90% of Raw. That's where they are. That's where they always are. Mm-hmm. And nothing has changed. And maybe they'll understand that, okay, there are bigger, deeper issues at play here. Real change has to happen. And it's not just who you're putting on the shows yeah. that really makes a difference. Yeah, they need to, they need to learn that it's, it's, it's not just about stars. It's about uh, intriguing storylines that uh, are involving and uh, are engrossing enough that people feel like they have to watch the show. Yeah, yeah. There was a time when SmackDown was beating Raw in the ratings yep. and Paul Heyman was in charge and the creative was fantastic. Yep. And it wasn't because of... Who was on the shows? How those people look? Ever we've seen this? We've said this a million times. By and large, pretty much everybody on in the WWE right now. If you've made it to main roster, with some exceptions, I mean, guys like No Way Jose, they're not going to be main eventers. But like so many, a huge percentage of the talent on main roster are main event level uh, uh, performers. They are. It's just how they're being used. Yep. I mean, you see. Look at Becky Lynch like a year ago based on where she is now. It's yep. like, you know, was she a main eventer back then? She wasn't booked that way. She wasn't creatively handled that way. The talent was always there, though. The talent was always there. Exactly. It just takes one, you know, one good run of good creative, and then the people will get behind them. Yep. Moving on, number nine. Nine. Sammy Zayn mutters the phrase A-E-W. This was on the first episode of Corey Graves' Electric Chair. This is also on the first episode of Raw following Double or Nothing, and everybody's asking themselves, how's WWE going to respond to Double or Nothing and All Elite Wrestling? How are they going to respond? Are they going to bring out their best effort, the best Raw in 25 years? 52 minutes of not wrestling to kick off the show. Yeah, and then on a, a, a talk show dubbed the electric chair where we we're unsure who the exact host of the show was. Was it Sammy Zane's show? Was it Corey Graves' show? Was the chair the host as well as the mascot? What? Who knows? Yeah, was it uh, Skinner from the X-Files who starred as Shocker in the movie Shocker? Who knows? Was it Dave Mustaine from the Sweating Bullets music video? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't was know. Was he an electric chair in that one? There was an electric chair in the video, I believe. At least there was some Megadeth video that had an electric chair in it. I thought it was, I thought it was Sweating Bullets, but it was also... Was no, long, that sounds right, but there's probably multiple. a long time ago. There's probably a couple of them. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, uh, Sammy's taking questions from the WWE Universe. And he's he's given some stack to somebody 
uh, about their question. He says, you could have asked me anything. You could have asked me about AEW. And then the crowd was like, oh. And they got people talking. We were on our way back from Vegas when this happened. And they got people talking. Well, was this was this a shoot? Was yeah. this a work? Was this approved? Is this Sammy going off script? What is it? What is it? What is yeah. it? Yeah. And even even then, like there were like conflicting reports. Yeah. Didn't like it was that weird thing like Meltz, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez had conflicting Different things. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dave was kind of like, well, I'm sure Sammy got the green light to say it from Vince, but it's a situation where not everybody is told. So Vince is working people on the back, yeah, to make people think it was a shoot. Dave Meltzer basically just uh, said that Brian Alvarez's source is kind of crap and lower level. <laughs> I know it's it's, but like if Vince really does do that stuff, that's got to be so damn frustrating. Oh, it's terrible. That'd be awful. I mean, I understand her perspective. It gets people talking about it, so on and so forth. But you're these these are people under your employee, man. I've, I've always hated the concept of working the boys. I know. You know I've always know. hated that. It's like, and then you know you get that stuff where like, was it this? Was it that episode of Raw or was it the one before that? What was the the thing where Stephanie was in a backstage Raw Raw meeting, an all hands meeting, where she starts talking about you know now we've got competition like all elite wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they said it was the first time that that had been mentioned as a, as a competition thing. Um, in like an all hands meeting such as that, uh, and uh, and with the idea, she's back there saying this stuff like, "Oh, we're one big family, we're in this together." But then you know, we're you're working the boys, or this I guy know. can't do a southern accent right. Like nobody, man, nobody wants to. That's not like a family atmosphere. It's like a dysfunctional. It's like a McMahon family atmosphere, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. You, we're, don't, get, you we're, don't get hugs. You get lies. Yeah, where, where <laughs> Stephanie beats Vincent Poole and Vince, Vince starts yelling through like an intercom situation because he's so upset. God, do I remember that? So I don't remember That's that one story. The, on that Reddit thread, the Twitter thread about crazy Vince stories. <laughs> it's like she beat him at Poole and then started talking trash and he lost his mind. Yeah. Like this is his daughter. Yeah. His adult daughter. Oh man, yeah. Till T has beat me at horse many times. Yeah, I just I just laugh my ass off because when my dad does the same. Whenever I beat him, when I first started was able to when I was first began to be able to beat him at anything in basketball, he would just crack up. He would just laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's how normal people act. Yeah, they don't become <laughs> enraged and start yelling <laughs> at your child. God damn, man. Oh uh. boy. Anyways, let's move on to number eight. All right, let's move on. Here we go. Number eight. Eight. Brock Lesnar learns about money in the bank stipulations. This is the same episode as the Sammy. Fine print. Sammy thing we just talked about. May 27th. Again, this was something we learned about uh, on the way back from Vegas. There, and he's it, like recreating that Batman meme where he slaps Robin. Yeah, pretty much. And it was actually pretty darn funny. This is the, the, the debut of the Boombox Money in the Bank briefcase. Yes. Now, the week prior, he had come out with the the briefcase on his shoulder. Yeah. But in this one, he had the custom uh, briefcase with uh, some speakers. Yeah, like molded into the briefcase. It was cool. It looked good. They should Um, sell that one. So later on the episode, uh, I believe he's about to make a declaration about who's going to cash in on a win. And so Heyman's reading from the contract. And he's reading. And it gets to the point where he talks about that Brock has one year from his, the date he won the briefcase to cash in. And Brock says, wait, what? You see a light bulb go off in the big purple bucket head. Yeah. And so he grabs a contract from him and starts hitting Heyman with it. 
A year? He yeah, said, a year. A year. And Damon yells back, how did you not know that? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a terrific line because it was exactly the sentiment echoed by everybody. It was a marvelous bit of absurdist, almost meta-type humor. Yeah. Of course Brock wouldn't know. He's never there, even though he has been cashed on. Yeah, cashed in on before. Cashed in on. His apathy towards his job is, <laughs> exactly. is so vast. Yeah. He doesn't know the particulars. Yeah, that uh, was a very clever bit of writing. It was right pretty there. funny. It was yeah. pretty funny. And yeah. then the the one thing I I, I enjoy about uh, Brock and Heyman's relationship it's it's always on the verge of absolutely <laughs> falling apart. Right, right. Like how many times has Heyman said something that Brock didn't like, and like he will basically threaten violence. Yeah, towards right Heyman. in front of everybody. Yeah. There's yeah. like no respect there. None. And it can be moderately, moderately entertaining from time to time, but this was actually pretty damn funny. We started starts hitting them with the contract. That's pretty good. You know, there's there's these. It was like a two week period where it actually looked like Brock was having fun. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what he said, but there was that one line in the Stone Cold uh, Steve Austin oh, podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and oh my goodness, I some tells me the relationship is that's just their relationship turned up to eleven probably. <laughs> It probably is. It probably is. Oh my goodness gracious! But yeah, no, it was it was actually a very a very funny moment. And uh, when I, I when we finally got home after twelve hours of driving, yeah. uh, I popped it on the next morning. I legitimately chuckled at it, and everybody got a kick out of it. Yeah, it was pretty darn funny. Brock, oddly enough, in that episode at least, seemed like the least checked out person. Yeah, I know there was. You know? Maybe it's because the first time he's ever had this opportunity to be Mister Million in the Bank. It's like the one thing he hasn't done. Yeah, and it's a different dynamic for him and I think it, it, it is it's something different and I think he understood that there was a whole new I think Brock understood that there was a whole new level of trolling the fans mm-hmm. that he could then enjoy and run with mm-hmm. and the 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 what, what do you call it the Brock box yeah yeah oh Brock party all that Brock stuff. party stuff I think he really sort of embraced. Yeah, it seems like it. And uh, and I think that that even went all the way to Super Showdown with you know the Pratt fall with Paul Heyman. Yes. And uh, yeah, I thought it was good stuff. I thought it was good stuff. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Moving on. When are we doing our business? Now. Now. Okay. Let's do this then. There we go. Number seven. Seven. Finn Balor pins John Cena. So on the lead up to the Royal Rumble, the build was at first Braun Strowman getting a rematch against Brock Lesnar. That was going to be the rematch, the match, yes. rematch from Crown Jewel. Yes. Um, and then they decided to boop, pivot, pivot, boop, change, change course. course. That's like you know the screeching of tires. Boop, well, it's more a, boop, that sounds more like boop, a droid. Boop. Maybe that's what it is. Who who knows? Anyways, so uh, and they did this. Kayfabe wise, we both aspire to be Hightower. Yeah, was, wasn't Hightower yeah, the guy? Yeah, who, Michael Winslow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the actor's name. Um, uh, an episode of Raw where Mr. McMahon shows up at the the arena, and uh, Braun doesn't realize this. His limo rips the door off. Oh yeah. And to punish Braun, he finds him, I believe, a hundred thousand dollars, and then says, "Your match with Brock, it's off." Oh yeah, it was all awkward. And it weird. was it was a terrible rationale for getting Brock out of the match. However, we did get something good. We got a good in ring segment. Uh, with Vince uh, pretty much saying that Finn lacks the ingredients. He says, mm-hmm. you can't handle all this beef. Yeah, that was a great line. Look at all the beef in this ring. You, you can't, can't handle, handle all that. Yeah. So it's it's Finn, it's Cena, it's Drew, and somebody else. Probably large. Lashley, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Lashley. Um, and so there's a the main event is a four-way match to close that episode of Raw that I mentioned, January 14th. Um, 
and Finn pins John Cena mm-hmm. following a coup de gras. Mm-hmm. He wins. Uh, Cena cuts a promo, putting Finn over, raises his arm. Mm-hmm. Pretty huge moment for Finn because it's the match. All these people believe in you. Yeah. And I believe in you. Yeah, you remember That's that. how you know yeah. John Cena is trying to give his mojo his blessing if his you will blessing to somebody else and it's, yes. it happens to a very select few he kind of did it with shinsuke nakamura yeah a little bit yeah he got that rub but to to do the the full promo he didn't do the, the promo for Nakamura. no he didn't. i don't think they had time all these people believe in you and i believe in you yeah it's like a Finn said, saturday morning cartoon or Finn something said that i believe in myself and all in the w universe believes in me mm-hmm. even if you don't believe in me vince um and it gave us a match we've been longing for Finn versus Brock. Yeah. It's a match that WWE Universe wanted. Apparently, Brock wanted for a while. Um, and it happened, and it was actually really good. Yeah, they it was a really good match. They booked it in a way to, to, to make it seem like Finn had a real chance to win. Yeah. Yeah, Brock actually had a pretty decent streak of matches mm-hmm. um, with uh, Finn, AJ, Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan of course. Uh, and then, well, the Seth Rollins wasn't really a match. It was just a bunch of low blows and yeah. cheap shots. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it was, of course, that did raise the question uh, why didn't Finn summon the demon? Why didn't he do demon for why Rumble? Why didn't he do demon for Rumble? I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to prove, maybe he felt the demon would be cheating and he wanted to prove that he could be the man. You know, maybe he wanted but to. But from a marketing standpoint, think they can market it demon versus beast. I know. I know. I mean, I know. kayfabe, I don't know. I don't know. Should there be a rematch, I would assume we would see uh, demon Finn versus man Finn. Yeah. Should there be a rematch? Honestly, it's just, it's. I wish there was some kayfabe I, explanation for it. When I just think about this stuff, it's so frustrating. Could you imagine like a Prince Devitt-type Balor trying to challenge Brock Lesnar? How how people would be nutting for that? They'd be going crazy. Have like Gallows and Anderson just attacking on the That'd sly. That'd be great, man. Chopping him down, going up against him. Oh, man. It'd be great. Never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> Anyways. Nope. Uh, I forgot that I'd written down some of the crappier moments here on Raw. I'll oh, we'll get to those at the close. At the close. Okay. Fair enough. Let's move on then. Number six. Six. Seth Rollins and Triple H have a little emotional promo yeah, on this Raw. This is really cool. I thought this is on the Raw after the Rumble, January twenty eighth. Look at that. Look. If you're watching on YouTube, look at that real emotion between the two. It of them. was real emotion. That's what made it impactful. So Seth comes out to open the show. Talks about what winning the Rumble meant means to him. Sure. And it's one of the few times where someone pointed at the Mania sign and it felt real and genuine mm. and emotional because he can feel, you get the sense that it looked like he's about to break down. Yeah. Because he was overcome with emotion. Yeah. Triple H comes down and very rarely do we see that sense of, I guess, mentor protege relationship. On our screens. Right, yeah, sure. We got a glimpse of that a little bit when, when Triple H on, uh, was it Raw 25, whatever it was, closed the show and Finn's there and they're all yeah, tweeting and yeah. stuff. We got a little bit of that, but this was, this it was, was so heartfelt. Yeah. Um, it was really, it felt like a dad coming in the ring to tell his son, son, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I did. Yeah, totally. You've come into your own. You've accomplished your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's genuine emotional moments like that. We don't really get on WWE television very they often. Both, didn't they both kind of crack a little bit? They did. Yeah. They both seemed like they were about to cry. Yeah. So this, at one point, this segment where Triple H had to turn around mm-hmm. mid-sentence and kind of do this to mm-hmm. kind of gather himself a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can tell these guys are probably really close. Mm-hmm. Um, the Triple H sees a lot. Maybe of himself and Seth. When I look at you, I see myself, except none of the like super politicking stuff. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, it, 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 it was a super impactful because we don't see stuff like this very yeah. often. Yeah, yeah. Which is a bummer. I'd like to see more stuff like this. I know. Me too. Again, just let these people be genuine, mm-hmm. and you'd probably just get so much. Oh, awesome content. I know. It'd be no great. It'd be really great. Good content. Um, and so they had a little back to forth, heart to heart, emotional. And then Triple uh, H said, well, you got to declare who you're going after at Mania. I want you to do it tonight. And eventually said, yeah, I want Lesnar, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, of course. You know, so that's I'm, what happened. I'm a raw guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was Monday Night Raw. And raw wins. So, of course, he's going after the Universal Championship. But, it was, yeah, it was just a really cool, heartfelt moment. Kind we don't really see very often. Agreed. Moving on, number five. Five. The 24-7 title revealed. Revealed. This is now like Foley's actual uh, promo revealing it wasn't necessarily met with uh, enthusiasm because he pulls that belt out of the bag and everybody's like, oh, that belt is ugly. Well, let's rewind a little bit. He shows up. They do a couple shots of him arriving to the arena. Yeah, yeah, kind of teasing it, yeah. He has it, and there's like you see a little flash of green, so you're like, oh, God, it's got a green strap. What? And then he comes out, and he kind of doesn't do a great... And he even acknowledged this. On social media afterwards, yeah. He kind of didn't do a great job selling it. He Number one, I, I kind of think that they actually, that creative, that Vince, whoever, loaded him with a bit too much stuff. Yeah, they did, because it was like a dual announcement that and was that convoluted. Was, that was the one... Yeah, it was a dual... The, he was saying, the third hour of Raw, because they're having issues keeping people in the third hour on ratings... The third hour of Raw needs to be more Raw. And that night alone, they changed the lighting scheme of the arena and they changed the graphics package to be like more black and white. Yeah, like all the house lights were brought down. They turned off all the graphics on the Tron. Yeah. It was a simple red Raw graphic on a on a black background. Yeah, yeah. It was very simple, very pared down, had more of a house show feel, which I really liked. Yeah, and I thought that general idea, if they saw it through, which, did they, Larson? No, no they did two weeks. That simple idea of, let's make it more... Let's make it more simplistic. Let's bring it to the wrestling. You know, it, it, you can sort of speculate and, and extrapolate. That could mean, like, maybe the matches would be a bit more physical. Maybe they'd be longer. Maybe they'd be given more time to breathe. Maybe be more in-ring storytelling. Mm-hmm. What have you. It'd give people a real reason to stick around. Or there'd be more stakes involved and give people a reason to stick around. And none of that. It's just no, par no. for the course now. It was a superficial change that lasted all two weeks. Right. Anyways, getting back to Foley's. So, yeah, so he continues on. He talks about that, but then he pivots to uh, the, basically unveiling the 24-7 title. He said this thing can be defended across every brand, including NXT UK and 205, which, of course, is not coming to pass. It's yeah, a comedy title. Yet, yes. And, uh, and he said, and we're going to kick things off right now with a scramble. He just yeah. tosses the belt in the middle of the ring, and then the loser locker room comes running out, and they all fight for it. And yes. it was a fairly entertaining way to kick off the 24 title, and yeah, it, it has been fun. a fairly entertaining title to keep track of, mainly thanks to the work of R-Truth, Carmella, and to a lesser degree, Jinder Mahal, yeah. who seems to be the, and Drake Maverick, who seem to be the main guys always on top of R-Truth. Um, so it, it, it has accomplished a goal in terms of adding something new, fresh, and, yeah. and pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's generally one of the more entertaining aspects of any given episode of Raw or SmackDown. But it's one, it's, it's just become one small element yeah. of an you know, otherwise pretty stale product. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, But yeah, and of course, the, the, the title itself, uh, just horrendously ugly. Uh, it looks like a clock diner. It does. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, something. Diner out clock. Of a, out Gosh. At a Bioshock, a clock diner. Um so yeah, it's it's really ugly, and that I think that kind of lends a little bit of 
comedy to it, which oh, is what it ended up being anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was also uh, at the suggestion. That was one of uh, many suggestions. The only one that was actually kept that was suggested by the USA Network yes, yes. as one way to help ratings. Yes. I don't really Apparently, know. it was the only good idea, according to, I think it was Melser mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, that's just WWE's perspective. The only idea that they thought was good. Who knows? Number, yeah. Idea number one was probably long-term vision. And they're like, that's a horrible idea. Yeah, that's, that's a terrible idea. How we do we do that? that once? See to my pants. That's how I've always done yeah. it. Anyways. Let's move on. Number four. Four. Batista attacks oh, Flair. This was great. This might actually be my personal. One of my, eh, yeah, it might be my personal favorite. Because uh, we had heard rumblings that Batista wanted to come back for Ooh, one last is, run. This is this is my probably my second personal favorite. It's so good. It was so well executed. Anyways. Nothing can beat number two on this yeah, list. Yeah, number two is great. Um, so uh, they're having Ric Flair's 70th birthday celebration on right. Raw. Yeah. And they're building up to it throughout the whole show. And we've heard for a while that Batista wanted to do one last run, one last program with Triple H. He'd been lobbying it for for it for a long time and had apparently fallen on deaf ears for the most part. And we hadn't really heard anything of late about Batista returning. And so the closest we got was at Raw 25. Yeah, no, SmackDown 1000. Yeah, yeah, where he kind of teased some tension between the two. Evolution came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but man, this particular night, I don't believe there's any word in advance that Batista was going to show up. So they introduced a special guest for Ric Flair's birthday celebration, and then Triple H they unveil the, the custom belt they made for him. Um, and then Triple H says, "All right, here's Ric Flair." Mm-hmm. Introduces him. Music plays. No Rick. Yeah. Uh, everybody waits. They're confused. Cut the Titantron, and rather than photographing it like they normally would, yeah, um, we see a camera for a long shot with uh, Batista. Uh, dr- grabbing another cameraman saying, come with me, follow mm-hmm. me, follow me. Yeah. More on a fly, uh, kind of like a fly in the wall approach. Which yeah. I wish they do a lot more often. And so they finally cut to that camera. It made, it made logical sense what was happening. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and they cut to that camera. Batista goes into a room and pulls out an unconscious Ric Flair. Yeah. And then he, Batista talks into the camera um, and it talks Addresses Triple H. Understanding that that would be on the Tron yes. in the arena, yeah. Yeah, and addresses Triple H directly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hunter, do I have your attention now? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. God, it was good. Oh, yeah. The staring into the camera, takes his sunglasses off. Yeah. Mm. And then, of course, they all go running back to try to get him and, yeah. and, and see if and Flair's gone. okay. And and, uh, and he's gone. And then, uh, you know, it led to uh, to a mini program in the build of WrestleMania with Triple yeah. H, and they had the match there. It was a fun match. And it was it was a fun match. It was uh, probably a bit on the long side, but they did a lot of fun stuff. It's a Triple H match. It's a Triple H match. Of course, it'd be long. Uh, and there was some really good stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that opening that opening salvo, if you will, was very very strong, and absolutely, it was it was a chill inducing moment. It was yeah, like, it was oh, great. Wow, it was great. The way they did the small really change good. in terms of how you, they photographed. Yeah. Everything made all the difference in the yeah. world. If they had done it like they usually do everything else, well, it still know, have been kind of cool. Yeah. But I mean, it felt like Batista was literally invading Raw to yeah. do this. You can tell, dude, here's the thing you can always tell when Triple H is in control of something because it's got that NXT feeling where yeah. it makes, from a production standpoint, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, everything in NXT from a production standpoint makes sense. It's always either a camera happened to catch this or a camera happened to catch that. Or a camera is doing something else and catches something else in the background, yeah. Exactly. Production-wise, it always makes sense. It adds to the believability of the world. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel like one living, breathing, organic universe. When totally. you have 
two people awkwardly standing here backstage in a locker room having a personal conversation and there's just a cameraman there filming it. It doesn't make any logical sense. Why would these people have waited for a cameraman, have waited for this cue to go live? That doesn't make any logical sense. When Triple H is in charge of whatever segment might be, you know, he might be rolling with. And it's like you understand that this is his thing with Batista. Chances are, and we don't know this for sure, but chances are Triple H is the one who's saying, okay, this is how I want this to go well, down. Well, it's probably a combination of Triple H Batista. Yeah, he's probably collaborating with Batista on it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and that's that's why it was so strong because it, it, you know. And that's the kind of thing, honestly, that's the kind of thing that I think, that I'd like to think that we can expect. And when we talk about, like, you, you often talk about how presentation needs to change. And that's the kind of thing I think you're talking yes, about. Yes, totally, totally. Is, is for things to make sense logically and yeah, how it's presented I, 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 to us. Even back in the Attitude Era, when they used to do stuff kind of like where they just try to capture conversations or going on backstage, you always had the idea that the backstage area was a living, breathing organism. Mm-hmm. That things could happen out of nowhere. You know, like there's a sense of spontaneity. Yeah. And that's completely lacking now. Yeah, it is. It really Apart is. Apart from number two. Yeah. Ent- the, the second entry on this is totally felt like a spontaneous. It did. Highly combustible moment, and it was great. We'll get there in a moment. But yes. first, number three. Three. Firefly Funhouse. Oh, man. man. So this began with a couple of very short reveals. Yes, a series of, of vignettes. Yes. Of, there's like a box and then uh, Mercy the Buzzard, we later learn his name, mm-hmm. uh, a puppet of a buzzard mm-hmm. came popping out. Mm-hmm. Start coughing and laughing. Yeah. And then I believe after that we got uh, Abby. Did we get the yes. Abby after that and a couple yes. more? And then we learned this is all prelude to Firefly Fun Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt's new children's show, which uh, of course is going to be a reveal for the Fiend. Maybe at this point he's already debuted in the ring. Yeah, who knows? It's we we filmed this over a month ago. Yes, and uh, but yeah, the debut of this, you know, we had speculated, or someone mentioned in like a question or something. It's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this were like a children's show mm-hmm. that has you know really dark undercurrents? And that's yeah. totally what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Bray's performance. Um, seemingly his, he's been steering it creatively for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's hit a home run yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, seemingly every episode has gotten better than the last. Um, although muscle man dance might've been the highlight, but this last one was pretty good. Yeah. They, they were, they were both great for different reasons. Yes. Muscle man dance was amazing. Yeah. Erase your mind. Um, he's done a really good job of reinventing his character. Yeah. Uh, while still hearkening back to the previous iteration of Bray. I just mm-hmm. don't know how they're going to transition what they're doing in Firefly Funhouse into the ring and make it feel impactful. The main the main question mark, the, the, the X factor here is, when will Bray's heavy hand and creative end and when will Vince's begin? Yes. That's going to be the issue. If, if the all the in-ring stuff uh, is written by Vince, it's going to be a major problem. It'll go nowhere. Vince will probably get bored with it sooner than later. Bray will be back to square one. Mm-hmm. Um, if they allow Bray, if they, number one, if Vince understands that this is a successful endeavor thus far, hopefully he will then trust Bray to go where he wants with the stories. Hopefully. Um, if that's the case, I am completely and totally on board and I trust in Bray. Yes. Uh, if Vince takes over, which is probably the more likely outcome. Yeah, uh, it will probably go downhill soon. Yeah. However, uh, I am I'm I'm loving this while it's around. Oh, it's been I a hell really of a lot am. of fun. 
Yeah, it's been great. Let's get to number two. Two. The Mania main event brawl. Oh, this man. was amazing. Yeah, this went down April 1st. The Raw Go Home showed Mania. I believe it was the night they announced it was uh, Mania match would be winner take all. Yes. Uh, yes. And so there's a segment in ring. Uh, of course, that go- that leads to physicality between Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda. Um, you think this all broken up, and they cut backstage, and it's just it's it's simultaneously thrilling, hyper violent, and funny. Well, they get let off in handcuffs. Yes, because they all like take shots at each other. That brings out security and the cops or whatever. And they're be- led backstage. They're yeah. led backstage, but it's obvious that even as they're being led backstage, and we're still in the arena that they're still trying to do whatever they can to break away and get at Charlotte's each other. It's like kicking at cops. Bec- uh, I think Becky's stomping on feet. Right. Yeah. They just, they're chomping at the bit to get their hands on each other. Again. Right. And, and it's the, the great thing is before they're cuffed, like, you know, I think I forgot. Maybe it was Rhonda who got cuffed first and Becky can't help herself. She understands that she's about to get cuffed yeah. and she just rolls up on her and starts beating on her anyway. Hits, hits her with a forearm. Exactly. And at this point, Charlotte's outside the ring and she's kind of laughing at the whole situation. Mm, yeah. um, but it's the same thing. Like Becky gets cuffed. Charlotte can't help herself. Exactly. I think she drops her with a boot. Yeah. She yeah. gets cuffed. They're all led to the back. Still trying to get out of it. Yeah, like you said, they think it's we think it's over. Then we get to the back and it's a Benny Hill skit. It's amazing. At one point, so they're trying to get him into police cars. At one point, they've got Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch in the same police car. That's what they do. They sit next. And they lay on their back and start kicking each other. And the camera gets to them moments before. The, the, the timing was so perfect. Moments before they look at each other and realize where they are and what they can now do. So they're going at it. Charlotte's still trying to get away from her cops. And at one point... Um, God, who? So Be- Becky kicks the window open. Yeah, there. Becky kicks away. Yeah, Becky kicks away. Go ahead, because I'm and, trying to piece and then, together. And uh, then Charlotte was going to be put in a different car, uh, a marked police car. Yeah, she gets out. Sh- uh, Rhonda starts John at her, and so Charlotte just runs up and drops her with the knee of the face. <laughs> yeah, um, because uh, Beck, who got in the Becky got in the the the, the driver's seat. And drove the car into the other. I thought that was Rhonda also. But how thought, did she end up back in the back seat? I don't know. What, let me see. She's in the back seat again. still. Maybe it, well, no, it was Rhonda. That makes sense. But she ended up back in the back seat. Yeah. God, it was good. It was good. It was it was pure chaos. It never it it never stopped, and that just added so much to it. God, it, it was, was so just good. it was relentless. And it's a situation like I mentioned it, where it felt spontaneous, mm-hmm. combustible, yeah, out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, half the time even they have a, a brawl in the ring where the locker room empties out. That's always nice to see. It never feels like things could legitimately get out of control. Yeah, exactly. And this seemed like it could legitimately get out of control. Yeah, yeah. Because he had moving vehicles involved. And I it don't know. did. I mean, yeah. At yeah. one point, I think it was Rhonda. She like, you know, like we said, she like somehow because she got left alone, she got up in the front and just like hit the gas and went and just, into the marked police car. Yeah, yeah. She was in the unmarked car. Oh, that was so good. It was so good. It was really good. But number one is a feel good moment. Let's talk about it now. Number yeah. one. Number one. Roman returns. The words "I'm in remission," y'all. Yep, were were very were just awesome to hear. Yeah, this was uh, February 25th. He was uh, out of action for about three or four months mm-hmm. following Since November. A, yeah. yeah, return of his uh, leukemia, which had been in remission for about ten years. Um, and yeah, it was great to hear him say, you know, hey, I'm back. I'm in remission, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
which is yeah. good to hear. It was just a great moment. I mean, it's, it's his booking ever since then has been sort of up and down. We're going to talk a little bit more about him on the SmackDown list tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some good stuff with him and Vince, mm-hmm. namely Superman punching Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've sort of uh, kept him out of the title scene for a little bit. Uh, until Shane wins it. Probably. Until Shane wins that title, which might happen. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. But uh, but yeah, no. I mean, that's that's just you know, the guy the guy was able to return to the thing he loves. Yeah. Because this this horrible thing was in remission. Yeah. So it was it, of course great feel good heartwarming moment. So. Of course, it's number one. Let's yes. talk about some of these crap moments. Yeah, you have one here. Where Natalia accidentally ignores Dana Brooke. What is that? I remember that. Remember, uh, Natalia had her uh, earbuds in. Oh, okay. It was yeah. her AirPods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Dana Brooke. And I just remember it because of the whole joke about AirPods being only for rich people. Yeah. And so she's like sitting there. I don't know. It was just, I was looking for any stupid ass little moment. Actually, on a couple of these, like on the potentially good lists, on the potentially most memorable moments, there was, of course, the big NXT call ups. That could be on the good or bad. That could be on the good or bad, given how it was done. But I mean, Alistair Black and Ricochet as a team for a while was yeah, pretty yeah. cool. They were a good team. Um, um, I love the Apollo Crews, Bob Lashley pose off. I re- That was a personal favorite for both of ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't the most consequential thing in the world. No. It, and it was kind of frustrating because it gave us a glimpse of what could have been a really cool feud. And it gave us a glimpse of Apollo Crews really letting his personality shine yep. Yep. and really getting over with the crowd. And yes. just that one little thing. Oh, it did, it did a lot for him. Then they dropped it um and then the uh raw after the rumble they teased a program between naya Jax and dean ambrose um, yeah there's a stare down and then naya elbowed dean out of the ring yeah and he was about to go back to her and uh it was a really cool moment that you know could have led somewhere they were gonna do a match at some point and then they didn't do a match yeah um but it was a cool moment it was. let's see some of these other bad moments oh, yeah mojo, mojo raleigh staring and laughing at a mirror i kind of like his face paint though and yelling like at him he's a cracked mirror. I like that. You're kind of alone on that one, that's but fine. that's cool. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, uh, you have Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog singing their song. That should be on the best list. No, that's no man. No, no. Was, nobody cared about that song. Nobody no nobody knew it. I actually thought that was gonna be Elias's mania program against Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and then I think like the next week he had like a Jeff Jarrett match. Yeah, and this was in February or something. Yeah. Uh, Oda speaks gibberish. Be more specific, please. Uh, so he did this a couple times, obviously. Is this in the moment of bliss? He did it in the moment right, of bliss. Yeah, he yeah, goes, yeah. yeah. And it was like, is he supposed to be like messed up in the head? Is he supposed to be like have a speech? Right, I think it's like a, 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 a live wire, a loose cannon. Uh, loose cannon. Brian Pillman was a loose cannon. Yeah, he no. had a gun. Yoshihashi is a loose cannon. Yeah. Uh, no, is this is Kevin Owens eat popcorn in the sun? Is that the iPhone promo he did? Yeah. Why was that bad? Because I, I, I want to see him kick ass and be cool. That's when he was trying. They were trying to do a face thing with him. I thought yeah, that was fine. Uh, I disagree. I don't want to see him eating popcorn in the sun. No, man. Viking experience. Yeah, that's definitely on the worst. Yeah, definitely the worst is a Viking experience. Yes. And where are War Raiders? Where is War Machine? Main now? event. Not main the event. main event. Well, it's been a month. Maybe they're the tag oh, team champions. Be. Could be. Maybe they're the tag no, champions. I kind of feel like this revival USO thing is going to be going on for a little bit longer. All right. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, let us know what raw moments you enjoyed. Yes, if you can think of any that we didn't include in the comments. Want to say thanks so much for watching, and until next time. Oh, this Monday we're back live, baby. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>